Hello and welcome back to the Eyes Up Life podcast with me, Ben Granis, your host who is so grateful that you're here. We are here for episode six. Can you believe that? That means we're already three months into this and have plenty of good stuff to go. Today I'm excited about our conversation that I'm sharing with you, my conversation with Steve Mathis, who is a media personality, does radio shows, uh, lots of good media content production in the power sports world. Um, So a bit of a pivot. This is the first person that um that you've heard in the in this sort of media world so i think you'll enjoy our conversation we spoke remotely over zoom so the audio is a little less great than the delightfully crisp audio you should hopefully be used to by now if you're a devoted listener to the show but you'll definitely be able to hear what he has to say. And uh, he's based in Las Vegas, but travels all over the country to cover different events and talk with um, a lot of the people actually that I interviewed. So that's kind of cool. If you're new to the show or Eyes Up generally, I'll give you a little bit of background before we jump into my conversation with Steve. Eyes Up is a mission to end distracted driving, to promote digital wellness, and encourage young people in particular to pursue their dreams by doing what they love and putting the phone down and embracing life with fewer distractions in a very distracted world. In August 2021, I started out on a 7,000-mile bike ride around the U.S. to raise awareness for this cause, fundraise for a nonprofit called Text Less Live More, and I wrapped up that ride in September of this past year, 2022, And now I am spreading the message through conversations with people like Steve and through presentations, assemblies, workshops, all of that good stuff at schools and organizations around the U.S. So if you know someone who might benefit from a conversation about programs in the Eyes Up world, please feel free to reach out. I'd love to have that conversation and see what we might be able to do because everyone can benefit from this message and my experience is not entirely unique however I do truly believe in this mission and my experience on the bike and the stories from the trip are quite powerful and link all throughout the message of look listen and live so after I wrapped up that ride in September I then headed out on a road trip around the U.S. to interview 21 athletes and affiliates of Maxxis Tires If you're not familiar with Maxxis, go to maxxistires.com. Check them out. Uh, If you have a wheeled vehicle of any kind, from a bike to a truck, they make fantastic tires for that, and you will not be disappointed with their products. Anyways, they are um, fantastic and partnered with me to connect me with these folks that you're going to hear from, like Steve and... I'm really pleased with how the products turned out. So we have a video every other Wednesday come out and then the full conversation, which you're listening to now, on Friday. So make sure you subscribe and stay tuned for all of this content that's coming out over the rest of the year. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Steve Mathis, the host of Pulp MX show covering all of the goings-on in the power sports motocross world. Enjoy! 
thank you for taking the time to uh, chat today. I'm glad it worked out. Um, so you're um, you're heading out uh, tomorrow. Uh, today I'm heading out uh, this afternoon. Yeah, um, driving to California to go race uh, a vet race. Cool. Uh, and is this this is motocross? Yep. Cool. Um, so uh, tell me a little bit about your uh, background, like what you do professionally, and how uh, how much of a role racing has played in in your life. Yeah, what what I do for a living is uh, I'm a journalist. I use those quotes loosely. But I work in the media for motocross and supercross, and I cover uh, the sport indoors and out. There's about 29 races a year. I fly to most of them and report on them. I do podcasts, written stories, written interviews. Um, I do a uh, about nine hours a week of podcasts on the sport, uh, coming at it from various angles. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what I do for a living. And racing itself has been in my life the whole time. I mean, I started racing when I was seven or eight years old and, you know, realized like many people that I wasn't good enough to make money from it. When I'm in my early twenties, I switched to being a mechanic, uh, for a race team for about 12 years and then got out of that and started being a media guy, uh, covering it from the, from all angles in the media end of things. So yeah, it's been, um, it's been a journey and racing motocross has been part of my life forever. Right on. Did I see that you're, uh, you work for Racer X? I do. I work. I'm a freelance journalist, um, so I'm I'm free to work for a number of publications. But my biggest client is Racer X. Okay, so you know Jason Wygant then? I do. Okay. Yep. Well, he was my first stop on this trip. Um, oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, so it's cool to chat with him. Um, how yeah. closely do you guys work together? Uh, yeah, real closely. We probably text every day, uh, cool. and we work we work on content plans and. And I have them as a guest sometimes on some of my shows. And uh, so, yeah, we're, we're good friends and we work together closely. What was the, um, the early part of your life like? Like, how did, how did you get exposed to uh, racing and motocross and that whole world? Through my dad. I'm from Canada. Uh, grew up there uh, right in Manitoba, which is in the center of Canada. And my dad was into motocross. I think he rode street bikes and then he rode dirt bikes. And I have an older brother who's three years older than I am. And obviously he started my brother riding dirt bikes. And like any younger brother, you always want to, you know, belong or whatever. Right. And so I started riding dirt bikes with my dad at, at five or six years old, started racing at seven or eight years old. My brother was three years older than me. He was racing as well. It was a whole family atmosphere for a while, a uh, whole family going to the races. And then at some point, uh, my brother quit probably, uh, when he was 17. So that makes me 14. And then my dad and I continued on racing uh, for another 10 years or so. I, I enjoyed it more than my brother. My brother got burned out a little bit. But uh, yeah, that's how we began the love affair of dirt bikes, really. Not so much like street bikes or road racing. I, I have very limited experience with that. It's just been in the dirt and it's been supercross or motocross. So do you, because I know a lot of motocross racers use mountain bikes to train. Is that something that you did or ever got into? Um, yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When I was um, younger and more serious about, you know, becoming a professional dirt bike racer, I was into mountain bikes. I had, you know, a mountain bike without suspension on it in the early 90s and, and uh, rode the hell out of it. Really enjoyed it. Um, and then kind of 
got out of it when I stopped uh, needing it to train. And then I became a mechanic in the US uh, down here in America in 1996. And really, I didn't, I didn't mountain bike at all for a long time. I probably got back into it in like 2003, 2004. I put on a lot of weight, um, eating really shitty and not exercising at all for many years. And got rediscovered my love of mountain biking um, four or five years ago. And, uh, and now I do it uh, a ton. I have an e-bike and a regular bike. And I'm probably out in the off-season when I'm not traveling. I'm out four or five times a week. And what's your off season like? Are you are we entering it now? Uh, just we about? are, yeah, we are. Off season goes until probably middle uh, or sorry, uh, early September, uh, and then it goes until January, the first weekend in January. So we are about a month into the off season. There's still some races going on. Um, I got to go to Paris next weekend, Paris, France, and I got back from the UK about three weeks ago. And you know, there's some different events here and there in the off season, but yes, yeah, basically. The week-to-week travel uh, starts beginning of January, ends beginning of September. So you must know um, Alex Ray. I do know Alex Ray. Yes, because he's he's. I, I think he's uh, going to the event in Paris he next is. weekend. Yep. Okay. Yeah, cool. I'll see him there, and he's a good buddy of mine, and I have him on my shows, and my listener base really likes him. He's a genuine good dude. He's had some struggles lately, and he's pretty honest and open about his struggles, and I think people can relate to that. Right. Yeah, no, it's always helpful when people are just transparent and not sugarcoating uh, that yep. stuff, um, especially yep. if you're broadcasting it. Um, tell me yep. about all of the, um, the the race jerseys behind you. Where where did, you, where did all those come from? But yeah, they're all they're all for our Monday night pulp show that we do. It's about a five hour show and it's on live on YouTube and Facebook and we we do videos uh, from it. And so I wanted to decorate the studio. A little bit and that's all just jerseys from riders that i know memorable jerseys uh um personally given to me um from different guys and they all have sort of a different history and a different year i kind of just i change them up every now and then but i took a little uh uh you know cornucopia of, of everybody of everybody that i'm kind of buddies with or or that has had a good career in the sport right well it serves as a good background for sure for it does <laughs> yes um tell me about your connection with um maxis because i imagine you're not maybe directly connected with them, but it sounds like you do a lot of uh, work with Max's athletes. Yeah, I do actually. And it's funny, one of the race teams I worked on in 2002 uh, used Max's tires. And obviously Chris and everybody from Max's have changed over since then, but I find it funny that we were maybe the only team in 02 using Max's tires and we had some really good results on the team from different riders on Max's tires. And then as quickly as Max's came into the sport, they left. And then, you know, smash cut, um, I don't know, maybe 17 years later, let's say, uh, Chris from Maxis reaches out to me and, you know, he's a listener of the shows and he's a fan of what we do. And he's like, is there an opportunity to partner up? And, uh, and so we have, and it's been a real, real good relationship because Maxis mountain bike tires are, are tremendous, as you know. And so I have them on my mountain bike tires or I have them on my mountain bikes. And then their dirt bike tires were relaunched with a sort of a new purpose and a new uh, innovations maybe three, four years ago, which appeals to my demographic of people that I do my shows with. And then, you know, obviously the, the people that um, have dirt bikes have trucks. Maxis is very big in trucks. The UTV market has exploded in the last three, four years. Maxis is a, one of the leaders in there. So it really ties in nicely to our universe, whether it's dirt bikes, mountain bikes, trucks, or UTVs. Maxis makes a great tire for it. 
And so I promote it and talk about it and everything else. I just find it funny that I had, I had my team that I was on in O2 delivered some real good success to Max's uh, way back in the day. And I never really thought I would partner back up with them, but here we are. Yeah. Because it sounds like they, they pulled out of the, the sport shortly after that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I think I want to say it was one and done just that O2 year maybe, uh, or maybe Oh three the next year, but yeah, they were kind of in and out, uh, in, in a, in a way. Um, so I, I, I shared a little bit of background, uh, with you about what I'm doing and what this project's about. Um, and the focus is on distracted driving and digital wellness and just aiming to raise awareness for both of those things and just keep the conversation going and hopefully expand it to a broader audience. So I'm curious to hear, um, what your experience is, you know, as someone who travels all the time for work, um, and just, you know, in your everyday life, what, um, what your experiences with distracted driving both personally and stuff you've observed um while out on the road well it's funny that you say that because i told my wife i was doing this and she was like well you're a prime candidate for distracted driving Uh, i need to be better i need to get better i do it uh i mean obviously you know i think a lot of people do it and i've been getting texts from people in the last six months or so that say, hey, I'm currently driving and don't have access to my phone and I'll get back to you. I feel like that's catching on a little more and I need to get on that. Obviously, traveling, um, you land in these cities, the first thing you pull out is your phone to get your Apple Maps to know where you're going from your rental car. So, you know, that is a bit of distracted driving, but on the other hand, it's kind of needed, right? Uh, But I'm as guilty as the next guy of checking a text or texting or whatever at a stoplight and then you keep it going. yeah, it's it's definitely something that's out there and it's caused a lot of accidents, you know. We're we're seeing we're seeing more public awareness trying to stop it and again those those auto texts back. I've seen more of those in the last 6 months or so than I have ever before and I think I probably need to sign up for that. Do you want to do it right now? How do we do it? So, you have your phone with you? Yeah. Um so uh, is it an iPhone? Yep. So you'll go into settings? Yep. And then uh, if you scroll down, there's a focus uh, yep. button. You click that. And then, do not disturb. Well, do not disturb. You actually want to hit the plus oh. button in the upper right. And then there should be oh, one that says driving. Oh, yeah. Driving. Got it. Silence note. Yeah, next. It says next. Yeah. Allowed people for notifications. So if you need, if you need to get notifications from like family or something, that would be where you do that. Um, okay. Which I just did my wife. Yeah. You know? Turn driving on automatically. Yep. So okay. if you have uh, CarPlay in your car, or yep. um, you can have that turn on uh, when you when you turn on CarPlay or plug in your phone, and then there's also the uh, if you connect a Bluetooth um, option. Okay, I did it. Sweet. Well, thanks for doing that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I need to. I mean, again, like it's it's uh, nothing. Almost everything can wait, right? Uh, well, yeah, ninety. 98% of the texts and things that you get can wait. Yeah, I'm, so that's, that's a good segue. I, so when I was talking to Jason, we were talking about um, how his, in his line of work especially, um, there's so many things, especially with the, the remote work environment, um, there's kind of there's a need to respond to people quickly because a lot of like 
stories yeah. and posts kind of hinge on one person's kind of like okay on certain things or just kind of mm -hmm. a quick in exchange. And he said that that's one of the biggest um, distractions for him when he's uh, on the road. So I'm curious if that's is this if that's same true yeah. for you. And yeah. so um, like none like it's really those things are really important for your work of course um but you know when you compare it to the risks of what happens when you're driving distracted it's obviously like you said it can wait what's what's the what's the solution there for um for you guys on the road like you it's if it's just you in the car you can't respond to someone while you're driving without being distracted yeah. so so what do you do yeah i i absolutely um you know, if, if there is something that needs to be answered and it's a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a way of a longer answer, I will hand my phone to my wife and say, Hey, tell this person this and this and this, but yeah, um, she's not always there with me. Right. Um, what is the solution to that? I, I, I think everything can wait. I mean, you know, you, you do, you are stopped at a, a stoplight or you, you know, you are, uh, um, yeah, stopped enough where you can apply. Yes, no, wait, you know, something short, something sweet that you can, reply to you and get off your phone ASAP. And if it's something longer than that, then, you know, I don't think we talk enough on our phones and, you know, heads up driving while you're talking um, through Bluetooth or whatever is, is something that you can do as well um, to help ease the burden. But yeah, most things can just wait. Uh, and, and if not, it can, it can get replied with a yes, no at a, at a stoplight. Yeah. And so the stoplight's an interesting one because most states now have hands-free driving laws where you can't have your phone mm -hmm. in your hand and that it actually applies to stoplights and that's something that i personally just have like it's it's kind of confusing because i get it you're in the car but how do you tell someone that that's still distracted driving and get them to actually you know follow mm -hmm. that because i hear you like if, especially if it's a long stoplight you feel compelled to use that time to get something done and it's still technically against the law. And so I don't, I, I don't know if you have any response to that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you're absolutely right. If it is, it is right. Uh, you shouldn't be doing it. Um, but yeah, I feel like, especially since COVID everyone's doing business remotely and, and there isn't the need to be in these cubicles anymore. And so we got to come up with a better solution maybe than that. But, the, but on the other hand, yeah, like, you know, things need to be answered, right? And just like with Wygant, what Jason was saying is is sometimes it's just a simple yes, no, go. And, you know, you're in the middle of the day and technically you're working and people are waiting on an answer or a reply. Um, so, yeah, what is the solution? Pulling over, I guess, and uh, and doing it that way. Um, how would you – like? It seems like you have a good understanding of the risks of distracted driving. What would what would you say to the average American who's just as vulnerable to the distractions on their phone uh, to help them understand how big the risks of what they're doing are? And try to get yeah, I, I mean, I just I just like I was saying earlier, I think everything can basically wait, right? When it comes to distracted driving, uh, what you know, outside of a life-threatening emergency text or call or something, uh, what would, you know, think think back to the 1980s or 90s before we had cell phones, and I'm old enough, unfortunately, to know that. Um, you just drove, and whatever was going on at your office or at your house just still went on. It, nothing happened. Nobody, 
nobody, you know, uh, had a major emergency. So if you think about it, um, we all survived without cell phones and without instant replies and everything else. And I just think everything can wait. And, and yes, it is convenient nowadays with the, with everything in your hand of your phone, but really it, it can wait. What's the biggest, um, what's been the biggest distraction for you from your phone while you're driving that would make you most likely to pick up your phone? Oh, just a text. Yeah. Just, just any sort of text, uh, you know, I'm not browsing, I'm not browsing the internet or, you know, um, doing anything like that. It's more just checking email or checking a text. Now I did change the email settings on my phone to only grab the emails when I requested instead of just coming in automatically. And I feel like that helped a little bit, um, where I wasn't, you know, I had to actually physically grab them instead of just coming in and hearing that ding. So yeah, emails and texts. Well, yeah, the, the notification thing is an interesting one, too, because I wonder if it, if, if, if requiring it or it requiring you to check it yourself, do you find yourself opening mail a lot? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. Um, but mostly because when I open mail, it means there's work or there's things that I need to think about and do. So like on a mountain bike ride, you know, um, I won't check the mail because I don't want to be bothered. And same with the drive. A lot of times I won't check the email because I know that there's just chances are there will be things that need my attention. So that part I'm pretty good about. Um, but the texting, you know, you can't stop people from texting you and showing up. Well, well now you can. Now I just set that on my phone. So. Right, 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 right. Um, uh, talk to me about um, your use of social media um for work and promotion and how it kind of how you how you balance it with your personal life yeah it's really tough nowadays right i'm an independent freelance journalist so my social media is um used to push out things to get clicks and get listens and get reads and all of that it's not you know some people just have social media for like hey it's a nice day and my dog just farted or whatever and I, I need it to work. Like I need it to actually promote my business. Right. And the more I get listens and the more I get reads, the more I, I get advertisers and so on and so forth. So it's really important for me. Social media is, I unfortunately wish it wasn't. I think if I didn't have my own work to promote, I would not be on social media because it is pretty toxic. It is pretty bad. Um, and I don't know how that's a whole other conversation for another day. So I do use social media to promote my stories and things like that. Um, as far as a social media and distracted driving, well, uh, yeah, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm really too bad on that because, you know, if I use social media, I have to go and spend the time to find a link because I'm going to put a link in the post to click on. And I'm going to think about what I want to say to attract someone to click on that link. And so it's a little bit more of a, uh, of a uh, bigger deal to post something on social for me um, than just my uh, than just somebody somebody who doesn't use it for, to promote themselves. Well, you started talking about how it's it's toxic, and that is it is a whole separate conversation. And it, it's a it, the especially for young people the the introduction of social media at such a young age is a is a a piece of this mission, which is to help help people 
maintain a, a healthy balance with their phone use, not never trying to eliminate it because that's, it doesn't seem like a, a reality or, you know, it's mm -hmm. kind of just like an extreme thing to, to recommend or even push on someone. So um, I'd be curious to hear what, what your thoughts are on the balance. Like how, like, do you make intentional time in your life where you're putting your phone away and do you think what do you think about young people you know from the youngest age of you know seven or eight being on yeah. phones and social media yeah i mean for me i put it away on mountain bike rides i have my phone on me but i don't you know really look at it i don't check emails i don't really use it for social i may take a photo if i think something's cool to post later um but yeah i, I mean i'm old enough where you know i didn't have it growing up and but I have nieces and I have friends and I'm around young motocross racers for a living every weekend. And it is absolutely insane. The validation that a lot of people, I don't want to put the majority of it, but let's just say a lot of people, the validation that they need through social media that, you know, they're doing all right. Like I, I got a buddy's kid of mine. He's 16 and he's just like, dad, I got this many likes and dad, you know, and it, uh, you're just like, wow. And that's how they live, man. And it's brutal. And I think parents need to introduce it as late as they can to their children. Um, but I don't want to be the old man on top, yelling at the clouds at the top of the hill, right? There, there's certainly some good things about social media. You can keep in touch with your friends that don't live nearby you. And you can feel interaction with their lives. Like I know I see photos that my nieces up in Canada post. And I think that that's cool. I get to see what they're doing, right? Um some good about social media for sure but man there is some terrible things about it as well uh i've seen it all um you know i've seen uh young girls sending out naked pictures of themselves unsolicited to some of these top racers and you're just like what is going on in this world where a girl think that that that's something that she needs to do to get attention um and 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 likes and and influencers and you know there's people that pay money to go sit beside a fake private jet window to take a photo of them as if they were on a private jet. And I just want to smash my computer when I read these things or hear about these things or see these things because it's terrible. But how do we stop it? I don't know. I have no idea. I'm, 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 I don't know. It's, it's that, that barn door is open, I think. And we just have to, as a parent, I think into each individual parent, has to speak to their children about social media and how it doesn't um, mean anything. And it's not the end all and be all. And, you know, you should, you should monitor the comments on your kid's social and you should look at their DMs and what they're sending and what they're doing um, just like you would for any sort of thing. Um, but unfortunately, I don't know if that's happening, uh, Ben. Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned that you grew up before cell phones were a thing and I, like, I wonder if, if you think that is well, it's, do, does any of what the the younger people are feeling the need for validation and affirmation does that resonate with you at all? Like, I, like does that is that something that you feel or experience using social media? Uh, no, no, I'm just older, more mature, right? I come from a different era. Uh, I certainly have people, you know, I write columns and I say things that are controversial, and politically, I have put things out there that have caused you know, people that just really insult me and go after me. Um, but I'm old enough and mature enough to be like, hey, th these people don't matter. I don't know this person. 
they're they're faceless they're anonymous it doesn't matter they're nobody i respect opinion etc cetera, etc cetera. but when you're younger man you know you, you've been there i've been there the whole world is crashing down on what somebody says about you or somebody thinks about you and then that's just a part of being a teenager being a child uh they're not mature enough to have the attitude that, that you or i may have um so i don't know really know how you get around that because that that's as old as you know i mean the equivalent to that in the 1980s is is uh you know this gossip going around at high school about you or something right um and it was there and it was crushing back in the 80s to hear things like that just was on a smaller scale it's the same thing it's just more widespread and on social media now right yeah and i wonder you mentioned having parents delay the introduction of cell phones to their kids as long as possible yeah i think i think that would make a big difference i do wonder also the pressure aspect of it because if every like if you're the one person who doesn't have a cell phone like is that is that really helping the situation yeah right and, and you know what and, and you know parents also want to get a hold of their child at times right or track them right some of them use the cell phones to track their kids and where they're at and, and all of that so again like i say about social media there's some good things about cell phones and some good things about social media but i i know as a parent from what i've seen of friends kids i don't have kids myself uh, from what I've seen of my nieces and other friends, kids, I would be really careful, um, you know, with what they're doing on it. And I would hold them back as long as I can. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting challenge. The, um, just how it's, it's shifted from, you know, a few people having cell phones to now everyone. I mean, yeah. I think, I think the, the average like American child nowadays gets their first phone at like seven or eight is the, is it really that young, huh? Yeah, it's, it's wow. but you know, like, like the, the, the balance of using social media and whatever, there's gotta be a, a balance for kids, you know, if they find a compromise where if you need your child to have a phone, maybe you have restrictions or a review process, like you were saying to see what they're doing, but then yeah, <laughs> something I, I feel. I feel like I would be monitoring my kids' cell phones and usage and, and all of that if I was a parent and I don't feel like I would get them a phone at seven or eight. Jesus, that seems pretty young. Um, but that's just me. And I guess, you know, other parents throw their kids in front of an iPad and watch them play video games for hours and, you know. Yeah, they all, all those things have their own challenges with them. Do you have kids yourself, Steve? No, no kids. My wife okay. and I don't, don't have any. Um, so there's um there's a study that uh was done recently that um just kind of back to social media use that says the average american will spend five years of their life uh on social media over the course of their life mm -hmm. which amounts to just a little bit over an hour a day um which isn't very much uh a day but it adds up to a ton mm -hmm. um and i'm wondering i'm wondering what your reaction is to that and how how we can encourage in a positive way um, a, a healthy use of these tools. That's a lot, five years. And that's probably, if that's an hour a day, you know, these kids are doing more than that, right? We that's So now we're looking at 10 years of their lives on social media. That's a that's crazy stat when you really think about it. And I think what, you know, you the job should be to tell the kids that that is what they're spending on it. And that's what it's going to equal. And do, what do you think of that? You know what I mean? Um, 
I mean, I, some of some of me, some of my thoughts are that social media is still relatively new, and I've seen, oh, you know, let's say Twitter came around before Instagram and before Snap and all that. Twitter is maybe my preferred social media uh, outlet, and I've seen, you know, just in my time, a uh, hundred people join Twitter, and then now they never go on Twitter anymore. Um, and I wonder if social media will end up like that. The, the negatives will outweigh the cons. It'll always be there and it'll always be something. I mean, you know, these companies are worth billions of dollars, so it's there. But I do wonder if we're still relatively new to social media. We're a decade in and five years from now, people are gonna be like, you know what? It's not that good. It's ain't that it's very toxic and I don't need to be yelled at and I don't want this person you know, in my, in my life or whatever. And I wonder if we will see a reduction of that in another 10 years. I, I sure hope so. Yeah. Well, I mean, just looking back to see like 2012, I mean, Instagram was like brand new. Yeah. So, I mean, just imagining what it's going to be in 10 years is kind of crazy to think. Or it could go, I could be wrong and it could be end up being the end all and be all. And we're all addicted to it ever more than ever and facebook is richer than ever and and it's unfortunate if that happens but i mean just going off i've lost a, a lot of followers on twitter i think just people twitter itself seems to not be as popular as it once was in my little sphere of motocross people and friends let's hope it keeps that way right yeah and it, it, it seems like when one platform starts to dip another one like tiktok comes out and that's like mm -hmm you know, yeah. all the rage these days. So who knows what the sure. next few things are going to look like, but yeah, um, it's, it's not good though. It's not a good thing for society. It is, it has some good features and good moments and it helps, you know, um, it helps things work really well at times, but overall it has been a detriment to society. I just think it's a shame that, um, so much of work, especially for independent, uh, professionals it relies on social media and you have to get tied into mm -hmm. the, this this swirl of stuff on social media in order to promote yourself and be well, successful it's there's a there's a couple of teams out there that have energy drink sponsors in our sport that the riders are required to have social media accounts and they are required to post i think three times a month with the sponsors and the drink tagged in it you know, and some of these guys are just like, I don't want to do that. I, I don't, you know, they agree to it. They have to do it, but they don't want to. And it's required. And I just wonder, like, hold on a second. Is that a smart thing to do to require someone who doesn't have interest in it, doesn't care about it, hates it, for, for lack of a better term, to post on social media? I don't get that part of it at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I wonder, because I imagine those sorts of contracts are also relatively new. So I wonder how... Mm -hmm. if, if enough athletes are pushing back against it, they'll maybe explore other avenues. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, shouldn't you want someone to talk about your drink and your race team uh, because they want to, not because they're contracted to. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, you'd hope so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to bring it back to distracted driving um, a little bit, Steve, do you, have you had any uh, close calls or personal connection to someone who's been affected by distracted driving? Um, Nothing that I can think of. Close calls, yes. Um, you know, I have a safety system on my truck that I drive that breaks for me, right? If it 
kind of feels like it. And I, I've had it come up a couple times in traffic. I've been distracted on my phone. Um, and then the, the truck has braked for me. No, I've not been in an accident in knock on wood, uh, uh, 15, 20 years. Um, I haven't had anybody affected by it, uh, as far as that goes, but I've certainly, you know, there was, a um, something on the news, uh, a little while ago, North and North of Vegas here that they think someone was texting and they went into another lane and had a head on. Right. Um, it, terrible. Uh, so knock on wood, I've had a couple close calls and, uh, you know, I try, I, I honestly, I try to do better. I try to leave my phone alone and I try to say, I can get to that later. Uh, am I always successful? No, I'm human just like everybody. Uh, but I certainly recognize that I recognize the dangers of it. Right. Well, I appreciate you being open with your experience. Um, and I think, you know, we're all, we all have experiences where we're distracted in one form or another. Um, uh, absolutely. As yeah. you said, we're humans. Um, and I appreciate you also being open to doing the, uh, the driving focus and putting that on your phone. Can yeah, let's try that. To, yeah. Can I get you to, to, to promise to drive distraction free? I'm going to try to promise to drive distraction free. <laughs> um, yeah, I will. I will. I will try. Uh, it's a it's a daily battle, right? Um, I, but I think that first step, putting on my phone, that that's that's a good thing because I, I honestly didn't know how it worked. I've gotten the text back from people, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. And now I know. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate it, Steve. And um, the goal is to have the awareness factor increased in everyone, and just being aware of your phone mm -hmm. use and and it it's so easy to just kind of be passive while you're driving and pick up your phone and you know just mm -hmm. like all the hundreds of other times that you've been okay uh, and nothing's happened to just yep. do that but it only takes one time where the the variables are lined up in a way where someone's in front of you stopped or a pedestrian or something and you're not looking and that changes their life and your life forever and um just having the awareness knowing that that's a a a real risk that you've just been lucky um, to have avoided so far. Um, mm -hmm. You know, just having that awareness, it will go a long way. So I, I appreciate uh, yeah. you talking about it. Um, no, for sure. I, I think we can all be better at it and we all need to get better at it. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe this will help somebody think about it a little bit more. And you're right. Lives can be affected in a split second and either way, you know, Right. Um, well, Steve, just to wrap up here, because I know this, the meeting is going to kick us out in a couple minutes, but um, what are, what are some things in your life and career that you're um, looking forward to in the next chunk of time? Yeah, I'm looking forward to, you know, I, I, the sport's been really fun to cover. I, I, I have a great job. Um, it, it's frustrating at times. Um, but in the end of the day, I have a great job. I make a good living and it's super fortunate to cover this sport that I grew up with. Like I said, I, I've been a fan of this racing since I was seven, eight years old. Right. And now I get to watch it at the very highest levels. So I'm looking forward to continuing to do that and continuing to grow my listenership and, and, um, and everything else that we're doing. And like I said, man, it could be a lot worse of things that I do for a living than, than watch a bunch of motocross racing. So I'm blessed that way. What, what would you say is one thing about um, your work or life that uh, that makes you the, the happiest? Like, when, when are you the happiest? I'm the happiest at just kind of looking at what uh, I've accomplished um, in the life and 
covering the sport and also um, just kind of looking at like my wife and I's life and we're really happy and we have a, uh, a nice house and we spend time together. And that's all because, you know, sort of being independent business guy and, and um, forging my own path at some point um, in the media game and it's worked. So I'm really proud of that. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm when I sit back and look at it and I'm out on a mountain bike at 9am instead of, you know, in a cubicle in an office, I'm pretty lucky guy. Yeah. It sounds like uh, not, not too bad of a gig. <laughs> and you get to yeah, go, you yeah, get to, go exactly, to Paris absolutely. Uh, next week. That should be a blast. Yeah, cool. exactly. I, I mean, I, I've, I've been every, I think this is my 17th year in a row of going. So uh, yeah, I'm fortunate. I have somebody to pay my costs to go to Paris, France. Um, well, just to uh, wrap up here, Steve, any uh, closing thoughts or anything that you'd like to share? Uh, no, just I, I, I need to get better at distracted driving. Like I said, my wife this morning was like, oh, oh, you're you, you need to be better because she she's gotten on me before about it. Um, she's really good at it. Like she doesn't touch her phone, which actually pisses me off sometimes because she won't reply. Um, so she's really good at it. And, and I need to be better. Uh, I'm trying. And uh, so thanks for the reminders. Yeah, of course. Um, and, you know, as long as you're making the effort, that's, it's going to move us in the right direction. So for sure, every step helps. Um, well, thank you for, for the time. Sorry, we didn't get to meet in person, but uh, safe travels to uh, California tomorrow, Steve. And I'll keep you yeah. posted on, uh, on this video and everything. Yeah, yeah. Let me know. I'll promote it and talk about it. So no problem. Thanks, cool. man. Thank you so much. We'll have a good rest of your day, all right? All right. You too, man. Thank you. Take care. Thanks. See ya. Well, 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 you made it to the end of the episode. Thanks so much for listening to my conversation with Steve. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, another great perspective on distracted driving. I really appreciate how open Steve is about his own um, habits and how he can improve on distracted driving and distractions in his own life because we all can improve, myself included. Um, I find myself uh, having a hard time with my own phone use, especially in the winter when it's harder to get outside in the cold weather here in New England. So it's all things that we can work on, and that's part of the beauty of the Eyes Up mission. It's not to become perfect overnight. It's to raise awareness for our own habits and build healthier relationships over time, one step at a time, and to pursue what you really like to do. So these sorts of things are really exciting for me, and I get a lot of joy and energy from speaking to people like Steve. So if you enjoyed what you heard, stay tuned. Uh, subscribe to Eyes Up Life on your podcast app. Follow Eyes Up Ride on Instagram. And follow Maxis Tires on Instagram as well. Um, all of the videos will be posted there in addition to my own account. So thank you for being here. Really appreciate it. Hope you have a great two weeks and we'll see you for the next one, which will be, stay tuned for the next episode, which will be in two weeks from whenever this was released. Take care. See you next time. Well, I won't see you next time, but I'll speak to you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>